Hello everyone and welcome to the Volrath Feed. I'm your host Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef here at the Volrath Company. And as always, I'm joined today by our executive producer and co-host, Justin Pearson. Hello, Justin. Good day to you, Rich. How are things today? Yeah, you know, the sun is out, getting stuff done, being productive. You can't ask for much more. Yeah, no, spring's finally, it feels like it's getting here a little bit, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, now that it's summer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, everyone on the show, a little bit later, be sure to stick around after our interview and hear the recap from Nate. Nate's recap. Always interesting to hear Nate's view on it all. He's got a good way of summarizing the whole show and I think it's been a good addition so we'll look forward to hearing from Nate again a little bit later. And also I want to say that as much as we enjoy recording the feed we also really enjoy hearing from the people that listen to the feed. So if you're listening and you have thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything at all that you'd like us to hear about the Ballrath feed please reach out to us at ballrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. We'd appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, if you take a moment to hit that subscribe button now so you never miss another moment with the chef or food service industry professional again, it'll keep you in the know on what's happening currently, trends that are coming up, and really just some fantastic information on deep dives into areas of the food service business that you may deal with every day or it might be something you hadn't thought of that will affect you in some way. I think that's one of the fun things that we've, at least we've talked about you and I and doing the feed is that sometimes, you know, we've, we've talked about, we, we think of a topic and we go, oh, I don't know. And it turns out to be a great show, right? Because mm-hmm. we didn't know all the things you hit it on the head, the things that you never thought about these guests are experts on. So it's oh. fun to listen to them and hear their take on it. So that's, that to me has been one of the most enjoyable parts I think about doing the show other than getting together with you once a week and. Well, yeah, chatting. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right, though. There's there's been quite a few where I'm I, I go into it, and by now I know I shouldn't judge the, a book by its cover, but you, you go in with some expectations of like, oh, you know, this probably isn't as interesting as I think it is, simply because I don't know anything about it, and then after the fact, just opens up your mind, and and you talk with a really dynamic person who really knows their their craft mm-hmm. and their business, and it just is informative and entertaining at the same time. That's a fact. Well, I know today's show is going to be a good one. Today we've got Chef Jason Hull, who is the executive chef and co-director of Culinary Farms at the Marin County Day School. And he's got a great story about his education and getting into it and then how he kind of landed in this this role of um, director of the Culinary Farm and the executive chef at the school. And it's all about teaching the kids, not to give too much of the show away, but all about that organic side of healthy eating in schools. And I think back on my schools, when I was a young kid in in elementary school and the food that was served, it's embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) It's embarrassing what we ate. It really is. And how far that's come. People have really started to open their eyes and and welcome a change there. And, And like you said, not just in the food that we're serving our kids, but the educational component as well, where it comes from, how it's prepared, how is this going to affect you the rest of your lives? Because you're going to be uh, uh, eating the rest of your life. So it, it really makes sense to, to educate on what are some best practices and some healthy practices that you can continue on with. Well, kids are just smarter about that stuff. And you said it, they're, they're teaching them this stuff more. Uh, I never thought one bit about sustainability when I was a kid. Or- no organic or what that meant right it was a carrot or it was a whatever in the tray i that's what yeah was it pizza day or was it cheeseburger day that's that's all two days i looked forward to by the way yeah (laughs) even though the hamburger by today's standards was not a not really a hamburger but in any case it was it was one of the better meals i guess tasting wise anyway but today you're right the kids are so much better educated about what is healthy eating and why and the next level of you the components that go into it and what does organic mean? I'm looking forward to hearing Justin's take on that and maybe learning about some other words that we should be keying in on when we're when we're shopping and saying, okay, that's what we should be looking for to get what we really want. Mm-hmm. Just so, so much more education out there, more things available to us. And a next step is, as our friend Nate always talks about, just even that 
distance that it has to travel to get to you and all, what mm -hmm. does that mean to the environment? Oh yeah. And for us at home, not only is it teaching why it's better for you, but maybe how do you properly store it or how do you properly take care of it so it doesn't de degrade and lose some of those vitamins and cooking right. it, obviously, so you don't degrade it even further and the whole way, everything about it that we just know more about now than we ever did. All right, Justin. Well, as once again, we, we do our our stuff and we talk a little bit ahead of time, but um, you know, it's time to bring our expert in. Let's get to the the headliner, so to speak, of the show, right? So let's <laughs> absolutely. It's it's time to bring our guest on once again, everyone. To remind you, it's Chef Jason Hull, who is the executive chef and the co-director of the Culinary Farm at Marin County Day School. Jason, welcome to the Volrath Feed. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, our I'm pleasure. Excited. Thanks for taking the time. I know we caught you at a bad test. This is actually your lunch hour, but you mentioned your staff is doing a good job for you. So, Got the best staff in the world, so I'm very lucky that way. Yeah, good. they got it all handled today. Good deal. You know, when we bring chefs on, we always are interested in hearing kind of that story, right? There's a, there's a time most people can remember kind of where they, they got their passion, they found their joy, they somehow got hooked in this in this world of food and can you tell us a little, was there a time for you that you can remember that kind of started or was it a first job or how'd you get into the business? Yeah, you know, it's a, I wish it was more um, of an exciting story. It's kind of a, um, a familiar story you hear from chefs. Um, cooking at early age with my grandmother and mom, you know, always in the kitchens with them and, and my nanny and, um, and just got hooked on the process of making food, but very much so got hooked on making people happy and what food that I made, how it made people feel. And uh, just to put people, you know, smiles on people's faces um, hooked me in at an early age. Absolutely. Oh. No, that is a great story because it, it is so true, right? You, you yeah. take that plate of whatever you made out and you see the joy on people's faces. That's one of the things that people in our industry really love about our industry is you get to share those moments with people and um, it is a it is a cool thing that we get to do in that way. Yeah, a lot of people get into food service for a multitude of reasons, but that is the one that keeps people in it for yeah. for the long haul, you know, yeah. or it brings people back. We all too often hear about people who started out in the restaurant business and they went down a totally different path, and then somehow the universe brings them back to food service, and it's all about that love, right? Oh, so absolutely, absolutely. So. At some point, you decided you want to go on to school. You went to the Culinary Institute of America. Yeah. So um, in high school, I worked at this um, Chinese-Italian deli um, in my hometown. Chinese-Italian uh, deli. It was the best deli with uh, Chinese food and Italian food and then fantastic sandwiches. Uh, interesting combination, but out here in uh, California, it worked really well. Um, I suppose. And it was, it was a great high school job, you know basically, you know, all you can eat and, uh, create flexible hours. Um, and it um, it really gave me a window into the culinary world, um, on a small scale. Um, and then some of my older friends, um, started going to culinary school as they graduated high school. And I didn't never heard about culinary school when I was in high school until, um, a little bit after, um, you know, um, my friends graduated culinary school and they went to the California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. And it was, you know, fantastic education and exciting and um, getting these uh, first restaurant jobs. And it just really intrigued me to um, go into um, the hospitality um, business. And that's what I kind of studied out in uh, Utah for a, a year or so. And then I said, you know what, if I'm going to be serious about this, I'm going to go to culinary school and, and really do it right. And ended up at uh, the Culinary Institute of America in Napa. And uh, I got my bacon and pastry degree, knowing that um, once I get to the restaurants, they'll show me the hot and cold side and anything else I need to learn about food and cooking. So mm. it uh, worked out well in uh, the long run. You, you tackled an area that Justin and I have admitted is not <laughs> one that we think we would do well in is baking. It's too exact, too much science for us. <laughs> we've had some guests on the show that uh, we've had this conversation with. And so good for you. That that's uh, And you're right, right? It'll teach you the hot side. And well, stuff, yeah. I have a, I have a follow-up question for the, the Chinese Italian place before that gets yes. away from me. And that, uh, did they do any type of like hybrid or mixing or anything like that? Or was there like an egg foo Parmesan or, or did they <laughs> no, keep it separated? 
You know, it, very good question. Um, no uh, hybrids at all. You know, I think today, we, you know, I kind of wish we would have played around with it a little bit more, but um, no, they kept it pretty, um, you know, the, the line down the center. Um, and it was just, you know, delicious and epic on its own. So uh, yeah. I think that was the, uh, the the key to success there. I, I like that model. I, I just think it would be fantastic to have it. It'd be convenient, you know, to have it all yeah, in one absolutely. place. <laughs> absolutely. So the CIA was your place. You graduated from there, went into the industry. I, I Yeah. I so um, coming out of uh, CIA Greystone, I was um, a pastry chef at uh, the Lark Creek Inn um, under Chef Brad Ogden. Um, and there I was able to learn so much just that, you know, I was a sponge in school, but getting into the industry, um, I, I just soaked up so much and learned from, um, three great chefs that actually went on to do great things. Um, and I was very lucky to, to have those mentors, um, in my first year, um, coming out of culinary school. And, um, and then I spent a little time on Nantucket, my, my wife and I, my, uh, met at um, Greystone and uh, through the bacon and pastry program. And uh, we ended up being co-pastry chefs on Nantucket with a team of chefs that came from the Lark Creek Inn wow. um, for a season. So That's that unique. was uh, interesting to work with her. And I think the first day we figured out we can't have the same hours. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were, uh, you know, passing ships in the night during that summer, but, uh, Again, learned a ton and, and doing, you know, doing weddings for a thousand people. And um, we were on the, at the uh, Brand Point Grill um, and just a beautiful place on the water and the beach and, and just a magical spot to be for, for a year. Yeah, that's, that's another side of this industry people don't talk a lot about is working with your spouse. It's hard, right? My parents did it, but I give you credit. It's, it's one of Yeah, we areas. gave it a go, but uh, yeah. yeah, 20 years later, we still have work together. <laughs> <laughs> So things are going good. You're in the, in the industry or you're doing your thing. And what was your next step? Yeah. So um, coming back to California, the, uh, you know, two, two years in the restaurant industry kind of uh, chewed me up and spit me out, so to speak. Um, it's, you know, pulling long hours and long weeks. Um, my wife and I knew it wasn't uh, conducive to starting a young family. And we were just about to do that. So I came back to um to Marine Country Day School and uh, started teaching and um, just trying to figure out the balance between, gosh, do I want to be in restaurants or cooking or do I want to teach? Um, and they're both very much passions of mine. Um, so a few years of teaching, um, the uh, chef here at Marine Country Day retired. Uh, Julia Zimanowski was here for 29 years um, as the head chef and um since I had a culinary background, they asked me um, to, uh, you know, lead the kitchen about 17 years ago. And uh, boy, it was a perfect balance between food um, and teaching kids as well. And then teaching kids, um, you know, uh, about their food later on in the culinary farm program that we created about 10 years ago. So um, it was the, the perfect match. And, uh, um, you know, 17 years, we just still going strong. Right. So, so the, the driving force, you, you love teaching, you loved culinary. And after the teaching, you just decided that was a time to get back into it. And, and what a great place to land. Right. And, uh, yeah, perfect spot. You know, very blessed and lucky to, to be where I'm at. Um, a lot of support from the administration, a lot of support from the, uh, school's families. Um, because they want, uh, to, um, you know, have their kids fed well at school and, and learn how to fuel their bodies in a healthy way for it's healthy for them and the planet. And that's what we do. Um, but also the bigger picture is, I think, um, and we've been really been able to dig into this the last decade or so, really inspire and be a leader in school nutrition. Um, and that's been uh, a surprise joy um, that I've been able to, to uh, help out with um, in the last... Uh, you know, five years or so digging in a little bit. But, yeah, Rich, yeah. <laughs> Rich and I, we were talking earlier about our childhood school lunch experience and how it was completely embarrassing when you look back at it. And <laughs> in the sense of nutritional value, education, yeah. all those things, you know, all you knew was 
was it pizza day or was it chicken nugget day or whatever, you know? And yeah. and how even until recently, it, it, it was just kind of that status quo for so mm -hmm. long. And what what did the program look like when you took it over? I mean, if there was somebody who classified as a head chef already, it sounds yeah. like there was a something solid in place and, and there was already some good practices and good food going into the kids. Yeah, the uh, the foundation I came into was uh, just stellar. It's uh, you know we've had salad bars since the '70s, scratch cooking. You know before even though before the '70s, um, so the foundation was here. Um, I think that the big changes I was able to make was um, procuring more um, local foods from local farms and then growing our own foods in our um, school greenhouse and gardens, um, and that's been a big shift. Um, and I'm still you know, still navigating that after all these years, just making sure that the partners are right and that uh, it works for both um, the farmer and the school, right? So um, it's, a, it's, it's always, we're always trying to get better and we're always trying to improve and, and, um, and uh, definitely make relationships that last, you know, a long time. So did you always have an interest in, in organic and uh, locally sourced and sustainability? It sounds like, or is, is that something you kind of got appreciated when you started working where you are now? Well, you know, growing up in California, that's pretty, um, you know, especially in the Bay Area, it's it's uh, second language, right? You're, you know, you grow up with it. Um, we have so many great farms and farmers um, that are very local within, you know, 50 miles. But also, um, and when I say local, my, my food sheds California. Um, and um, so, you know, taking, taking advantage of the fresh products and produce um, is important to me. But I think I really learned about that, um, you know, being in culinary school in Napa. Of course, we were um, always using the freshest ingredients and, and partnering with the best farms. Um, but at the Lark Creek Inn, um, you know, Chef Brad Ogden was was serving fart on the table and that really um really sung to me it really kind of cemented that yeah this way we should be doing um so yeah it's always been right there on my mind but to be able to put it in play um especially in school nutrition and show people how to put it in play i think um is uh is will, will hopefully be a, a lasting effect on on school nutrition nationwide we, we see trends definitely in healthier and, and better education around food. So I think that trend is, is certainly here to stay and, and uh, uh, going to get, get bigger and better. And you actually have the students, the whole school kind of participates in this. It's not just you buying or sourcing product that's organic and you working with it. You, your, your school gets everyone involved at all levels, right? Yeah, we do our best to uh, get um, most grades through the gardens. Um, and during COVID, we had to take a step back, but in um, 2010, I was invited to the White House by Michelle Obama to um, help her launch the Chefs Move the Schools program and basically getting more chefs connected to school nutrition um, and or shifting careers to schools. And it's um, and, and when I was there, you know, beautiful White House garden and talking to um, there's about a thousand chefs from around the country, um, you know, it really um piqued my interest about we've got to show you know not only feed our kids well but teach them well right mm -hmm. so long time sixth grade science teacher Bob Densmore and I started the culinary farm um, back in 2011 and the culinary farm is basically gets um, we, we basically flipped our school gardens and expanded them to be production gardens and that food comes into the lunch program so when we have kindergarten, first graders and second graders in the gardens um, once a week or once every two weeks, it's, um, you know, they're helping us grow the food, you know, tend to the food, um, harvest the food, and they're bringing it to the, you know, kitchen um, for us to make uh, these beautiful things that they'll see at lunch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a long time ago, we uh, basically learned pretty quickly, gosh, if you involve the kids in the process, they're more apt to try it and like it. Sure, sure. This is the carrot they picked earlier in the day, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's um, cool. And we, you know, eat right out of the garden sometimes. You know, that fresh carrot right out of the garden, you wash it up and eat it on site and um, fresh tomatoes. And, um, you know, that education is uh, um, just invaluable to them. And as they graduate from eighth grade here, we're hoping to 
you know, have kids that are mindful about how they feed themselves and feed their community, um, but also how to fuel their bodies in, in a healthy, sustaining way that's healthy for them and the planet. Oh, right. What's the excitement level of the kids? Some might gravitate towards it. Others might just view it as like, oh, it's just another class. Um, what, what, what's the overall perception from the kids? They are always excited to get into the gardens. I think uh, they, um, you know, of course, when it's time to maybe do some weeding or <laughs> it's not so exciting, um, you know, what we're doing that day. Um, but, you know, being a farmer is hard, right? So that's the lesson we teach them. Um, so for the most part, they are, they are very excited about being in the garden and trying new things and uh, just expanding their taste buds. And, and they know they're going to get usually something to eat and, um, and, and also feed the chickens, you know, so they get, they get excited to get that connection back to nature. Yeah. Do you spread the jobs out amongst everybody or is there like first grade, you're kind of responsible for this set of, uh, chores or, and then they graduate up to more involved processes? Yeah. You know, um, we've tried it, a, a very, you know, a lot of different models and I think, um, what we've kind of landed on repeating what they did the year before isn't a bad thing because they mm -hmm. forget so quickly sometimes, right? right? <laughs> uh, but as they get older, we do uh, um, give them things that are harder, a little bit harder. And then we, um, um, the older kids, we get to weave into some cooking as well, um, which we're trying to get the uh, younger kids weaved in next year because um, it's important to get the kids cooking at an early age. Oh, you're right. We were we were talking that it's it's great to source this product, but you have to store it properly, and to maximize its benefit, you really need to cook it properly, and that goes down even seasoning it. Right? You don't bury it with stuff. You keep it fresh and pure, and and have that appreciation for it. So that's I think a, a great kind of program to put together for people. And do you have any people that come back after a few years and say, "Boy, I'll tell you the lessons I learned here served me well," and all the time. Yeah. All the time and, and school wide, but um, you know, especially when they come back from um, usually high school or, or they're come, you know, getting out of high school, uh, they uh, come back and really appreciate how good the food is. <laughs> and then they go to college and eat pizza, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> late exactly. night uh, euros. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, and we always we always love to see our former students and uh, alumni that come back and cool. just to say hi and and they're always appreciative. Do you do you make do you grow enough in the gardens to supply the the school or is, do you have to supplement that locally? We supplement that locally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're uh, ex hopefully we're we, we're in a process of expanding our gardens. So, you know, we're growing on a typical year that's not a COVID year. We're, we're typically growing about three thousand pounds of produce that comes into the school lunch. Um, but with our expansion, we're hoping for ten thousand pounds a year that come into the kitchen. Um, and I think we'll be able to do that in the next couple of years. With what you grow, and I suppose you buy what you buy is at a premium compared to non-organic or just other growing. So is, do you, are you allowed a little bit more on a budget then to do what you're doing? Or is this just so important to the school they let you kind of make sure you're doing what you're doing? Well, we have a robust budget um, compared to public schools. Um, and it's great to have that support, but it still is a budget, so I can't just go uh, haywire and willy-nilly with it. So I do have to pick and choose. Um, and a model that we've used lately, especially this year, um, and I think it's a great model for the rest of the country in school nutrition, is um, doing more plant-forward and plant-based dishes um, and doing them really well. And then really choosing the highest quality proteins when we serve the proteins. So the last um, half year, we've been serving three plant forward lunches um, and then two um, lunches. So that's per week and then two lunches um, per week. We do um, um, uh, animal protein and, uh, you know, we do it so well. Nobody's said boo, <laughs> which is fantastic, That's right? That's the key. So yep. um, to be able to put those dollars into the top animal proteins, which is important, um, and um, you know, organic milk and organic vegetables, I think the trade-off is, is, uh, is, has been fantastic. And just trying to, you know, stretch the dollars as much as we can that makes the most sense. Um, and then partnering with local farms, you're able to uh, negotiate quite a bit. 
and that's been um you know throughout the years that's been awesome um and they've been you know proud to be serving um a school there beautiful produce what's the breakdown per per meal and as far as cost because um, i'm looking at how does how does a public school with with not a lot of money but they want to take some steps to do to kind of mirror what you guys are doing what what does that look like and what would be some of the first steps that that a organization could take that would be you know the least or the most cost effective but have a, a, a huge impact yeah so we we did a cost analysis um, probably about five years ago and I was shocked to see that we were just about two dollars per meal um, and we feed about 750 people on a normal day because um, everyone in the community eats um, as, as a community and uh, the um, lunch dollars are rolled into the tuition here which is a great model on itself because you're not having kids pick and choose what to pay mm -hmm. for and you know they're going to go for the doritos every time versus <laughs> um you know the kale salad so mm -hmm. i have a captive audience that way um but as far as um so we were shocked to say oh my gosh we are only about two bucks um hmm. for pure food costs about two bucks a person which was amazing it's a little higher now i'd say probably about 250 or so um then you you know i have a, a pretty robust um staff so that's gonna push that higher versus a typical public school mm -hmm. um but first steps i would i would look at the ingredients that you bring it in and where you could move the dollars around by um you know get you know either negotiating with local farmers right um or or local uh, purveyors and um and trade those dollars for, you know, really, really make a list of what you want to um, serve the best quality of, right? And most schools, it's dairy and proteins where I would kind of skew towards putting the more dollars into versus um, the, um, um, the produce. Um, but sometimes you don't have to pick and choose. Sometimes you could have it all, but it's, it's the, it's the, you really have to break it down on, on what you want to um, really go after and, and be able to negotiate. Now, there's some local farms that aren't organic that I've, I've loved using over the years because um, they do adhere to um, um, the quality of food that I want to bring in. Um, and many local farmers, especially small ones, can't afford to get the, uh, the uh, organic license, so to speak. So, you know, when I do my research, I really get to know those people and make those relationships and, um, and, and trust that, um, you know, they're doing all that they can to give us the best quality food. I was going to ask you if you could elaborate on that a little, because we talked uh, before Justin and I did about organic, and I know that you said there's certifications and things you have to do to qualify, and sometimes farmers just do the right thing, but they don't get that classification. and. Right. So do you do, do you do site visits to make sure that that's what's what you're seeing, and then on the on the protein side, the animal, uh, as you as you mentioned, again site visits, and what are some of the things that you you kind of look for? Yeah, so I I do try to visit all the farms that we partner with. Um, I just had a great conversation with the owner of Stemple Creek um, Beef Ranch out here in West Berlin, and um, I've known Lauren for a long time, but we finally have. Uh, I um, made a partnership this year and it'll go on to next year. Um, and everything that I read about his farm and he's, he's doing um, some of the, the best farming um, in the country um, with his cattle and his pork. Um, so, but it's, you know, it's as simple as that, that first and second conversations, right? So, um, you know, everyone says, yeah, how do you, how do you do all this? It, it comes down to relationships. Um, to get to know them, get to know their process, um, um, hear the things, you know, how they do things and why they do them. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's just been, um, you know, really, really kind of be a good listener and, um, and get, I think it does help to get, get your eyes on where your food's coming from. Absolutely. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty basic process, but it really comes down to relationships. So when you're thinking about, produce do you have anything like uh, i always talk about a, a vine ripened tomato and you know all the things that come with sourcing your food locally less 
time traveling, less emissions, um, picking it ripe and using it shortly thereafter versus days sometimes. But do you have anything that you, if you were to be asked by someone like, what's the the thing you see the biggest difference in, in, in taste? Is there, is there a product that you, you know where I'm kind of going? Yeah. So, so eating local and seasonal is huge, Mm -hmm. right? And, and again, getting to know what is local and seasonal in your area um, cause every area around the country is very different, but I'm glad you mentioned tomatoes because we negotiate with different farmers. Um, um, Roma tomatoes, um, in August, right. They're kind of, they're, they're peaking out in September, but we know they're going to be good. They're organic. Um, and we get a, a bundle price. Um, and we bring in about 2,500 pounds in August. We process them and freeze them for the year. So we'll have, vine ripened organic local tomatoes um all year round i mean that basically basically goes into our marinara sauce our soups our pizza sauce things like that Mm -hmm. um so you know so you know we're we're lucky we we have a a pretty sizable freezer that we're not uh putting junk in so we can store those uh buckets of tomatoes to use all year um so i think so those little processes and tricks definitely come in handy, um, especially for school nutrition, where some of these schools can, you know, have the power to, to, um, you know, buy in huge bulk, huge numbers and negotiate that price down. Well, and you, you brought up a good point there. It's, it's using it fresh by, by far, you're going to get the highest quality, but freezing is a good Mm -hmm. option. So buying locally is one of those tips, like you said, as far as, you know, buy it in bulk, you get it at the best peak of ripeness almost or, or great uh, stage of ripeness and then you can extend it by freezing it some other do you have any other tips like that that you use for for buying local or, or reasons that you really support local i guess the other the other thing we do um we make sure that everything comes in we taste right because we've you know you could take a, a beautiful organic cucumber and once it kind of gets to the end of the cucumber season it could be bitter compared to the conventional cucumber so always um tasting and and you know obviously getting eyes on your product as it comes in is is really important um you know that's also will ensure that your kids will have the the best taste in their mouth at lunchtime um because it probably you know we know it it only takes one sour cucumber to kind of spoil that kid's cucumber taste for a long time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Speaking on that and all about building relationships with these local farmers, growers, uh, what happens and how do you handle it when something comes in that might not be up to the regular standards? How, how do you approach that um, with, with that person? Well, if it, if it ever has. <laughs> yeah. So once in a while, things will come in and, and um, not up to our standards. It, typically doesn't happen but when it does we'll if we could um handle sending it back we'll send it back and then i'll usually typically pick up the phone and talk to the uh the owner or the farmer and just uh just see what's going on um but the people who um serve us know that we want the top quality and uh and we're not gonna settle for much less you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And I learned that in the restaurant industry with these tough chefs that, you know, um, they handled it a little differently. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's really important um, to, you know, make sure that we have the best quality food that we're serving our kids. Cause, um, and, and every kid across the nation deserves the best quality food. Absolutely. So that's an important piece to what we do. So do you believe, um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that you're, learning more and more as you go with organic and everything, but with food allergies, how do you, do you believe there's that association? <laughs> I see you smiling. <laughs> food allergies. We have a, um, we have a lot of food allergies here um, in the, in the Bay area. Um, and there's lots of different um, thoughts on food allergies, but what we do here is make sure that all of our students are um, able to eat safely um, so a, l- a lot of times we will take, um, take products off our shelves if someone's allergic to it. So that's how we navigate that. Um, and then hopefully be able to replace it with, with another product that's safe for them. Um, and, th- and there's so many different products coming out now 
and I don't know if you want to talk about food tech, but I've been uh, researching a lot of the food tech things, and it's pretty amazing um, how they can, um, you know, a lot of it's made plant-based, but also taking the allergy out of it. Um, wow. I'm good friends with the uh, company um, Eat Just, and they have the Just Egg, which is phenomenal. We have egg allergies, so we are able to switch out regular eggs with a Just Egg, and... Um, and uh, it's it's hard to tell that it's not a real egg. And it's all plant-based, allergy-free. You so those products are innovative, and, and we're always searching for those, for sure. You mentioned, like, the plant-forward meals. Are you doing, like, the Beyond Meat and uh, is that the, the plant-based burger? And Yeah, so we, we do serve Beyond Meat um, once in a while. We don't serve a lot of hamburgers, um, but we will a couple times a year. And uh, we've been using Beyond Meat or... Um, or just a, a really good veggie burger uh-huh. in those places. But, um, you know, the research on, on everything that comes into the kitchen is, is paramount. So the more we learn, um, the, 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 the better we can serve our community. Do you do any off-site uh, catering? Does anybody, I know a lot of schools will uh, look at that as a, either a revenue stream or uh, did you do that during COVID? Did you, did you cater out or have student pick up for meals? You know, we did not. Um, we uh, we do all the uh, catering on site in normal years. We didn't do any catering this year because we don't have any um, events going. But uh, you know, many of my friends in school nutrition across the country really um, dug in and fed their whole communities. Not even just the school community, um, groceries and and lunches and dinners, but the whole community, whoever needed it. And um, I was just uh, awestruck on. Um, you know, people feeding, you know, millions of meals during this, uh, this COVID year. Um, and it's, it's so inspiring to see that, um, you know, people are, are stepping up. Um, I, on, at the beginning of COVID, we were able to donate all of our um, food that we had in pantry and in our refrigerators and freezers to a local um, food bank that um, was feeding um, people in need. So happy, happy to always do that and help out. Moving back into the education side of things, what does your curriculum look like for, for, for the young ones, for the first graders, kindergartners, you know, when, the, when they're first being introduced into uh, nutritional education, how, how do you go about that? Yeah, so you know, get, getting that face time as a chef um, and being in the gardens with them um, for 40 minutes at a time, a few times a week is... Uh, it's been, been awesome as far as um, being able to talk to them, preview the menu, pre- ask them what they want, what they like. Um, they're always honest about what they don't like, <laughs> which uh, is humbling, to say the least. The, uh, but we, we get them, get their hands in the dirt. We show them that they can grow food, too. Um, everything we grow in the gardens is seasonal, right? So... The gardens are usually have stuff going on, but sometimes we, we're not doing anything in the gardens except maybe watering and, and making sure uh, that uh, everything's growing right. So, um, so that's when we can really get to dig into the nutritional education um, and talk about, you know, what is healthy for your body? What, what, what's healthy for the planet? You know, how, how to make choices at the store, how to, um, you know, vote with your dollars at the store of, you know, um, you know, buying less junk food and enjoying um, um, maybe fruits and vegetables that they haven't tasted. Um, we also get to do a ton of taste testing. So if there's something that's coming up, um, and it's usually fruits and vegetables, but if there's a dish that's coming up and we want to preview it with uh, especially the K, the kindergartners, the first graders and second graders, um, it makes a big difference when you can explain to them as they're tasting it um, and and do um, a little bit of mindful eating where they really just sit and that's what they're doing. They're tasting food and um, seeing how their taste buds work. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, that's always, uh, it's always pretty exciting. And, and that's how, um, you know, we'll, we'll get um, some kids. Oh, I've never had a pineapple. Right. And they taste it. And it's just this magical moment. Right. So uh, then I usually get emails from the parents my kid just wants me to get pineapple all the time now. How can you switch it up, you know? So we, we get to, you know, have that FaceTime and to be able to feed them different things that they may have um, 
not have tasted before and then to, for them to see it at lunch is is um has has just been been amazing truly yeah get them young and, and teach them they're our future consumers right exactly yeah. exactly you brought up a very important word there and that was parents how do the kids take the the what they learned home because part of this entire process is educating the parents too who've all too often grown up learning the the absolute wrong thing you know and right. I, I can i consider myself in that category and it's it's this re, constant uh, lifelong re-education on on how to feed yourself and what's what's best for yourself and the planet so um what what does that look like your relationship with the parents the parents the relationship's great a lot of great support um a little bit preaching to the choir here in Marin county um won't, won't lie about that but um <laughs> but they are appreciative that their kids get an education that they typically didn't, right? Mm -hmm. Or it came from their parents um, at an early age. Um, and I think it's the school's responsibility to teach nutrition. I do think that. And, um, and to feed the kids well. Um, and um, so as far, you know, we hear a lot of, um, just a lot of those stories that the kids will come home and say, hey, I, I, I'd love to have a kale salad. Or they'll... Um, you know, the parents will ask me for different recipes and things like that. Um, so it's um, it's gratifying to to know that um, that the kids are going home and teaching their families what we're teaching them. Do you have any picky eaters? The kids that come in and say, "Ugh, I'm not doing that." No picky eaters out of the 750 I feed. None. No. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. Yeah. We, you know, kids. kids. Yeah. So, so yeah, we do have picky eaters. So I think. Um, to, to, to what we do is, um, especially when they come into kindergarten, we get the FaceTime as we're serving the kids. So we try to have them at least try a little bit, right? So that's a, a whole other thing is, you know, versus having school kids purchase their meals, we get the FaceTime and have them try a little bit. Most times they come back, right? Uh, but we do have those kids that just eat yogurt and cheese, yeah. you know, maybe a sun butter sandwich versus everything else that's available to them, the hot meal or the side or, or the other things that we have in the salad bar. Um, and that's just the way it's going to go. Yeah, right. um, but those kids, typically, as they get older and more adventurous, you know, it all kind of pans out fine. I had two picky eaters. One's a fourth grader here and, and one's in high school. And, um, and they were very honest about what, you know, they like here and, and what their friends like or don't like. And, so uh, whether I like it or not, on the ride home, I typically get uh, the rundown how lunch went. <laughs> it's good to get that feedback right from the source. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And what about the staff? What, what has been some stories there? Have there been some, some of those moments of people coming in and saying, I don't usually try that, and then voila, they... You know, the staff, um, so they get to eat lunch for free each day. So it's a huge perk. Um, and... Um, they're they're very much appreciative that they get uh, you know they get well you know fed well um, while they're um, you know here with for their work day so um, not too many grumbles about lunch you know well, I think they're really the appreciative <laughs> they're always picky yeah, eaters always um, <laughs> and the adults are you know we um, we take a poll at the beginning of the year and uh we ask people what they like and don't like and really get to know their eating style you know there's there's 150 employees here so we um but i think we have a pretty good pulse on what people like and don't like and um and we try to feed them in the best way possible so how does portion control work uh obviously an eighth grader is going to eat more and needs more calories than than uh than a five or six year old yeah. Um, how does that, that work for them? And, and what is the education process? Yeah, so portion, um, we don't typically um, talk much to the students about portions in general. Um, but we do um, portion out um, um, that, 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 that works best for that age group, right? So the eighth grade portions... Um, you know, maybe double the size of the kindergarten portion or, or triple sometimes. Um, and seconds is a big one. We know the older kids are going to come back versus uh, the younger kids. So we have, um, you know, after doing this for 17 years, we have a pretty good idea of our amounts needed. 
Um, of course, those amounts have been totally skewed um, since we've been feeding in the classrooms this year. So mm. every meal's pre-boxed um, and then sent out to classrooms. Um, but we're hoping to get to some kind of satellite feeding next year that the kids come to us and we can, again, have that FaceTime. And they'll have more options and they'll get to see the food before um, they open a, you know, a mystery box of, oh, <laughs> this is lunch today. Um, so that's been a challenge. That's been a challenge this year. Um, but like I said, next year, I'm, I'm really hoping to, to get back to a more buffet serving um, that, that my staff will be serving the kids, um, at least coming through a line. You mentioned before, too, that you started, I think, or you, you talked about a little bit about teaching them cooking. Do you have any kids that you, and if I missed it, I apologize, but that you, as a class, a culinary class in school that get to come in and do they actively help prepare any of the lunches or is that just still, still kind of a secondary class or are they just cooking in a class? Yeah, that's always a secondary class. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a, obviously a lot of interest in, in cooking and, when we had um, a little bit more time a few years back, um, the uh, upper schoolers, the seven, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders would um, have an elective time that, um, of course, we don't have during COVID. Um, but um, they were able to do a cooking class with us. We'd take 20 kids and, I think, um, do some basic things, um, you know, making pancakes, uh, making a breakfast sandwich, making... Um, you know, pasta with uh, fresh uh, pesto sauce, um, things like that. And I think, you know, as we go forward, the uh, life skill of um, cooking for yourself is, or, or, or cooking in general, is uh, really going to be important as we, um, as these kids um, graduate out. So I'm, I'm hoping to um, get that program back up and going, but starting with the younger kids, because I, I think it's... Um, important to show them knife skills at an early age and get them interested in the kitchen and um you know cooking very basic but at least give them some skills that they can uh go home and make their own snack you uh, know think, or go home and make make breakfast for their family i think that's so important I, I see so many i'll say young people and when i say that i mean early 20s that are uber eats and they they're yeah. getting delivery and takeout just that that's their that's more than what they cook for themselves, and that's no, we, we just know is not good. Absolutely, and we've seen we've even seen that uh, before the the Uber Eats came on the scene with um, you know grocery stores doing as as parents have gotten busier and both parents typically getting busier, and grocery stores really up in the game on um, you know re, reheat and, and serve meals. Um, we've people have really. Um, gotten gotten away from cooking at home, and I think um, that's a detriment to to our overall health. Um, so hopefully we can get cooking again. So obviously the best way to get our food is uh, to to have it be organic, locally sourced. Yeah. What is the next best thing that uh, somebody can can get in in your opinion? So if uh, that isn't readily available for for them and they're at the supermarket, what's, what's kind of the next best way to go? You know, I think, um, you know, even at the supermarket, I think it's important to, to know where your food comes from. And I talked about the food shed before. I think a food sheds, um, and I would say my food sheds the state of California for the most part. Sometimes we'll get our apples from Washington State, depending on what time of year it is. Other times a year, we'll get our apples from 50 miles away up north in Sebastopol. So I think... Um, when people go to the grocery store, I think it's really important for them to um, ask the questions. If it's not readily labeled where their food's coming from, I think uh, I think that's definitely um, a skill that we've gotten away from. Um, and even if it's um, partially scratch made, I think that's better than just getting the um, you know the the either grab and go or even the freezer section hungry man type dinner <laughs> yeah. um you know even if uh you know anything that you can um that you need to put your hands on and and cook a little bit and even if it's coming from a can that's fine too um but um i keep coming back to uh kind of like you know if you're doing a, a homemade pasta sauce learn how to do that with a little garlic 
um, a little um, canned tomato. Um, maybe you're robocooing that up and, and, and make some nice pasta. Even if it's that, you know, short, small steps, I think getting your hands on the food and, and, and making it is, is really important that, you know, like I said before, we're, we're just getting away from really mm -hmm. quickly, you know, the, with the convenience. It's definitely more work. It's a little more effort, but it's, it's just it's so much better for you than doing it the other way. And that's, I think part of the, you know, it's, it's all sounds good. People say, oh, I'd love to have my garden and everything. It's, it's work. It, it's, it is. It's definitely more work to, to tend it. And, uh, but the payoff is, is certainly, um, is worth it if you, and again, that the proper techniques of understanding how to keep something more simple. So you really can appreciate that flavor of it rather than burying it in, uh, something that you're not appreciating what you've done or, or harvesting. No, absolutely. And I think, I think, um, you know, during COVID, I think we've also seen an explosion of, uh, you know, it's just so easy to get simple recipes, um, you know, if it's off of YouTube or mm -hmm. off of other websites, it's, um, you know, it's really, uh, you got to put a little effort into it, but you can find easy recipes to, to feed you, you and your family. Mm -hmm. um, that's just better for everything and everyone. Sustainability that um, I know just by sourcing locally and so forth, you, you really help with that, but um do you teach a lot about that as well, it, getting down to just the distance things travel and, and do you teach yeah, about carbon footprinting and all yeah, that? Yeah, the, uh, we, we, uh, so we're a lead platinum uh, green school. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of our education is around sustainability in lots of, you know, every grade. Um, and there's lots of different projects going on. We, we even test our own water each year with the sixth graders and we, do different projects about how much waste we have and how much waste we create. How do we get better um, at all these things? And um, so in the kitchen, we, you know, I definitely um, watch what kind of packaging my food comes comes in, and then what we can give back, especially to the small farmers um, and our produce purveyors that they they want those, you know, to reuse the boxes or whatever. So. We love doing that and able to to um, be sustainable that way. Um, but I think it's really you know it's a it's a great education for for all the kids that um, you know um, not just um, you know teach them and and and, and talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk too. Mm -hmm. um, and we try to show them in every aspect every every day, um, which isn't easy, especially during COVID. I went to, from a, a a zero waste kitchen pre-COVID to 100% waste kitchen. <laughs> and uh, and hopefully things get better next year. <laughs> a zero waste kitchen. Yeah, so that, and that, that, that's basically meaning, you know, our cafeteria rooms were, which are now classrooms, our cafeterias were, um, you know, we had uh, real silverware, real cups, real plates, and washed all of them every day. Mm. Um, and uh, now everything's obviously pre-packed. Plastic forks, plastic yeah. knives, you know, everything's going on. Oh, out. that way. Napkins, mm -hmm. things like that. So, um, you know, uh, uh, from two lunchrooms with lots of touch points, going to um, feeding everyone in the classrooms um, pre-wrapped um, has been um, a huge challenge. But, um, part, you know, big part of that is it's not sustainable. With all that you're doing in this area, you probably have a pretty robust composting program as well. Is that something that you involve the kids with? We've put yes, absolutely. We've we've partnered with um, you know our local um, uh, waste companies, and have um, you know I think we have like twenty green cans around campus. So a lot of the things that we tr try to bring in, um, and it's just campus wide, not just for the lunch program. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, we we'll go into the green can versus uh, the recyclable or the garbage, right, the landfill. So a lot of um, education around that. And uh, I learned a ton last summer when I was researching, you know, different uh, to-go boxes, to-go style things um, to use each day. And um, and sadly, it's, um, you know, it might be recycled um, products that they use on the front end, but a lot of it has to go into the landfill because they don't compost it. So it's... Um, it's a battle we're uh, we're fighting this year, um, and just trying to figure out what is the best way forward. Um, 
and we're hoping to get away from the to-go style boxes next year and go to a plate that will be able to go into the green can. Because, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the kids do some projects throughout the year and, and weigh those green cans and, and just to, you know, be mindful about waste. And then they talk to their peers and, and the other students about um, about the waste and how we could reduce it. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really important education. And um, right now we're not hitting on all cylinders with it. <laughs> But we hope to be back in the fall that uh, we could be a little more greener about yeah. it. You're doing what you can right now. It's just that it's yeah. a quirky time. We're all it in is. it. Absolutely. In your research, do you have any specific products that you came across that, that you're using or that you would like to use that you would recommend as far as uh, prepackaged stuff that is more sustainable, stuff that can go in the green can? Um, and maybe it costs a little bit more, but it's better for all of us. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's real hit and miss. Um, I wish I had a better answer uh, for you on that. It's um, you know you really got to work with um, your local um, refuse. And um, I had many long conversations with uh, the people who who serve us, and um, and I see where they're coming from. But do your research, and to, you know. Even if it does cost a little bit more, I think it, it makes sense if you can either uh, recycle it or compost it versus going into the landfill. Um, you know, our landfills are, are filling up quick and um, we need to be, you know, as people that, you know, hopefully hopefully chefs are, are mindful about um, the waste they create. And I think that's that's becoming more and more um, on the forefront of, of chefs' minds. Um, whether they're in restaurants or in school nutrition. Well, Jason, I, I know that, um, thank you again for today. I think we're at that time, but throughout your career or your life, there's there's someone or something or something you've read maybe that's inspired you or drives you. And we always like to hear from our guests something like that from them. Do you have something like that you could share with our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. And this has been a blast. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface. I could talk to you guys for hours. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And hopefully I get invited back at some point. Oh, definitely. um, Yep. I was uh, thinking about this uh, and I just heard this recently from uh, somebody that I really looked up to, especially coming up um, locally and and, and, uh, going to culinary school local. Um, Chef Alice Waters um, had a quote. Um, a couple of weeks ago and she says once you fall in love with nature you make all the right decisions in your life by chef alice waters so that's uh that's inspiring very much i like that and uh, yeah because i'm trying to think of a specific example where that that could be not true (laughs) and i don't think i could come up with one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought that was uh very poignant and um yeah, she's she's incredible, and the work she she does for school nutrition has been um, been amazing. So that quote really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and one more thing before I let you go, I wanted to ask if if there's any if people are interested in this and they want to look for more information, do you have some places that you could quickly just kind of mention to them that where you go maybe or ways they can find more information on how to be you know better at organic and, and especially in in schools or in restaurants. Okay, there's uh, there's lots of great uh, resources out there for school nutrition, um, and I'm actually working on a website with two superstar school nutrition chefs um, across the country. But we are um, just in the kind of the beginning stages of that, and that's going to be an awesome resource once we are able to announce that. So stay tuned for that info. But other um, the the school um, nutrition websites that I use the most um, are the Healthy School Recipes. Um, website that's uh, originated by Chef Kathy Powers and Chef Samantha Gasbaro. Um, they have a lot of um, a lot of great information about school nutrition in general, but they also have um, you know wonderful recipes, and um, they also highlight school nutrition folks from around the country that kind of share what's going on. Um, the other um, collaborative that I'm a part of is the Culinary Institute of America's Healthy Kids Collaborative, and that website, the CIA healthy um, is an amazing resource as well. Um, also led by chef Kathy powers and chef Lisa Feldman. Um, and then my other go-to is uh, chef Ann Cooper's, um, the lunch box. And that is the lunchbox.org. 
and that is an amazing resource as well. So there's a lot of great resources out there. So if you're interested in anything school nutrition, one of those three or all three of those will cover all of those, um, you know, any questions or inspiration that you're looking for. Um, and uh, we're lucky to have all those resources at our fingertips. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, for for a lot of people who want to, you know, make make small changes, or, you know, just start somewhere. And it, I would imagine those give everybody a good jumping off point. Oh, absolutely. And, and whether you're just coming in, um, you're newer to school nutrition, or if you're a 20 year veteran, you're going to learn something from from any of those resources. I was going to ask, are you on Twitter or anything? And what if someone really wanted to find this or when you announce your website, how will they know? Yeah, so I'm on um, Instagram, okay, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn there we as go. Um, Chef Jason Hull. All right. And uh, look me up. Always looking for uh, more followers and, uh, and it goes both ways. Always love being inspired by, by everyone who visits the, uh, those sites. Super, super. All right. Well, Jason, thank thank you again for the time today. We really appreciate it. It's been a great time. And um, I know our listeners have uh, enjoyed hearing your expertise and just the, the, the cool ways and, and things you're doing to care, um, helping our kids. And um, hopefully more people will get inspired by hearing from you today. So we appreciate your time. And thank you for having me on. It was a blast. Well, Justin, what do you think? Do you learn something about school nutrition today and maybe a uh, a little envious of uh, kids nowadays <laughs> versus kids are what making we did. me jealous, man. Like, Whoa. yeah, definitely. I I learned a lot, you know. And yeah, it starts with the kids. It really does. Yeah. Get them young is what I say. That's it. That's the way to do it. Well, uh, it's time for us, I think, to get our a real recap here of all the things we talked about. And uh, once again, we'll bring in Nate Wolfel, who's our digital media lead at the Volrath Company. Nate, let's turn it over to you for the Nate Wolfel recap. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks, as always, for letting me get my moment in the sun. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I definitely agree with what you guys are saying, that the first thing that came to mind is how lucky are these kids. Yeah. That let, And we talked in the pre-pro about it a little bit, is that could you imagine if science or nutrition were taught to you when you were that age in a way that was so hands-on and you get to eat it? And it's like that's so cool and exciting. And I think it's just such a great way to make – a positive impact by teaching the benefits of positive choices so early on because like positive choices good choices it's such like a cheesy thing to say but when it's practiced like this it's such a it's such an educational thing that reaps benefits as, as jason was saying the kids go home and teach their parents about this and now some of their parents are curious about this and it's just this huge trickle down effect that starts with teaching kids at a young age to make um these important decisions about their health and wellness and about really thinking critically about where their food comes from in a way that's super fun for them. So that was something that I, I, I was really taken by and like that really just stuck with me as, as you guys were having this awesome conversation. But I think one of the other things that that Chef Jason does so well is that he makes it seem really approachable. It's not easy to do what he does, but he knows it so well and it's been so well thought through that he has a path forward. And to show that path forward in a way that makes a lot of sense to people like us who are not in his shoes, I think it's going to go a long way to educating so many others in the world about how making some of these choices for yourself doesn't necessarily have to be that complicated or necessarily expensive or hard. It just requires an extra step or two of thought. Mm -hmm. and, and and obviously, Chef Jason and his staff put that thought into things. But yeah, I think it's just to see the trickle-down effect was amazing and, and to hear about that, to, to give kids such an awesome, cool experience. I mean, how many people... People, do you hear the complaints on or you see the jokes on social media it's like I was taught the Pythagorean theorem but no one ever taught me how to do my taxes and <laughs> it's like you know that's true there's a nugget of truth to that but this is real tangible real life lifelong learning stuff that if it's instilled in you when you're young and you take to this stuff it's going to guide your decisions for the rest of your life this is true true lifetime education happening all because of a school's food program mm. and it's it's the power of food and we talk about the power of food so often on the show in different ways this is a completely new unique way that we haven't really discussed 
Um, and I, I just thought it was awesome to hear from Chef Jason and, and, and just to hear a lot of the commonalities between him and a lot of the other um, school food service professionals we've had on in terms of really looking for feedback from your students, no matter how young they are. They are your customers. And he didn't use the word customers, but so much of the feedback process and the getting FaceTime with the kids, those are all common themes that we're starting to hear from a lot of the professionals in this space that we've talked to. And and Chef Jason's no exception. So, I, I mean, a really great interview. I learned a bunch. And it's just so inspiring and gives so much energy off when you hear someone who's making a difference with young people that is going to turn into a tangible difference that grows tenfold by the time these kids are adults. It was, it was awesome. Hmm. Yes, very much so. And, you know, one thing that um, I did notice was that Jason does work in a bit of a vacuum in the sense that uh, he's very like-minded people around him. He's, he's got uh, a great budget and, uh, somebody working in a public school setting who has none of these things or very little of these things might say, that's great for him, but it's not going to work for me. Well, the proof of concept is there and he's he's been showing it, you know, and, and that, that's where we have to attack this is from a very young age. And he's he's got numbers on the fact that this is something that can be implemented at a public school level and, and it can be scaled up for that. And it really, what it boils down to, and this is my takeaway from it, was that it boils down to people who care, people who care about it. Because if you care about it, you're going to put in that little bit of extra effort to do the research, to find out what is going to be sustainable, what is going to be nutritional, and, and what is going to be something that the kids can carry out through through the rest of their lives. So that's that's what I really liked about what he's he's doing. Yeah, I think everyone, it's 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 not hard. It's just, it takes a little effort and a little planning. And you have to, the results are, it's hard to see them immediately, but you know they're there. That's, you got to buy into it and um, it's proven. So just, just buy in and a little effort and you're there. And start mm-hmm. small, start baby steps. Yeah. Like, I, right. I, you know, you had a great point there with him justin what, what's the baby step way for someone to get into this and there is a baby step it doesn't have to be all in so there's ways to do it just progress it's not about perfection just take a step in the right direction mm-hmm. a little step here and there and then before you know it you'll be making larger leaps and bounds yeah all right great show today guys thanks for everything justin and uh, nate very good justin any last words yeah once again i'd like to bookend this with a reminder to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again and while you're at it we would also greatly appreciate it if you would share what you're hearing here with your friends let them know that you appreciate what's going on the conversations we're having and the things that you're learning and just yeah spread it around let us know what's going on we appreciate it so closing, everyone, just my final thought is uh, little words of advice. When you're doing something, do it as if a customer or your client or your student was watching you, and you'll know you'll be doing it right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week ahead. Until next time, take care. <laughs>